you've made it to the finish line. Welcome, everybody, to episode 13? No. <laughs> 10? 10! 11? Oh, oh welcome to... <laughs> I think we're at 16. I was like, Charles, you do the intro this time. And uh, you know what? I'm going to be a bit easier on myself about how terrible my intros were, because that sucked, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know I, what? I do not. <laughs> I feel bad even speaking into a microphone. I feel like I'm not worthy of it. I feel like after Nikita Kucherov's post-game performance, no one should be allowed to use a mic again. I, uh, I, I, I've watched that like 15 times. It's, I don't remember bullshit. the last time I was like, I'm going to watch. I need to see this press conference. I need to. I saw it live. I couldn't believe it. I was half asleep. I was like, is this <laughs> happening? This is hilarious. Do you know what the tee up question they gave him? And he just went on a rant. Do you know the actual question he was given? No. They said, what are your emotions right now? Number one bullshit. That was just Number emotion. one bullshit. He went on that crazy <laughs> rant. He, it was the most villainous thing. And I mean, I am not up in arms about this by any means. I absolutely love this shit. I think this is so good for hockey. I can't believe that after watching a moderate slog of a playoff run, I was like, I can't wait to watch Montreal Tampa again. Yeah, that's a good. Uh, I, I, that's like the third thing I thought about when he went like just. He came out shirtless, chugging a beer. Yeah. Like, I have never seen that in the pro sport world. No. I've seen, like, I, I've seen beer league uh, dressing rooms get that surly. But I've of never course. seen, like, what did he start with? He was just like, Joe, lay it on me or something like that. He's like, like the athletic guy. <laughs> yeah, the athletic guy. I was like, first question is from Joe. The athletic. And he's like, Joe, lay it on me. And he's like. On, unbelievable! I want, I want more of it. Think about, like, think about. There's got to be at least one person per team that could be, at least like, I don't not say like every game. Don't go out there like cutting promos and putting on imaginary belts. But the last time I think I saw an interview that was that off the rails was Rich Clune in like the dismal last year. Yeah, the last like that la that 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 Leafs team that played uh, placed dead last in the Matthews draft year. He was he warmed up and he played against his old team Nashville. And somebody on Nashville was wearing his old number and they they're like, "Oh, we saw you talking to and I can't even remember the Nashville player." And it's like, "Yeah, I told him he was pathetic and uh, that uh, I'm going to fight him right now and I'm going to rip that jersey queen off his back, but uh, he's in the press box so I can't do it." And the person interviewing on TSM was just like, and then they just cut the Jeff O'Neill who was living for it. Like they were like, fuck, we got to get Jeff. Like there's nobody that can weigh in on this. I absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. I, I, I mean, I think it would, the novelty would wear off a little bit, but I think this is exactly what hockey is begging for. I just absolutely just love it. Do you think, as for the series itself, did you have any general thoughts about the series? I I had a lot. Like, I had a lot of thoughts. I thought for sure that after game two, which was Montreal's best game in, in that series and arguably their best game in the playoffs, after game two and they lost it, but they got the win immediately after, I thought we were in for a six-gamer. I thought we were actually in for a sixth game. Um because they played like the ultimate road game in game two and hit 
it was either three posts or four posts in that game two. They contained Tampa. And then game three was just Montreal was, it was John Baptiste day. We talked about that in the last episode. Montreal was just, there was no containing from not winning a game three, but I thought we were going to get a sixth game. I thought we were going to get uh, another one there, but uh, after that, Tampa just ragdolled them. Like the last, I thought last they looked game, pretty outmatched. Yeah, the, the last the last game too, like game five, it was a deciding factor. Montreal had no mustard, man. They had nothing left. Like it was. Yeah, like they was were so banged up. Like I get, you got to give them a lot of credit because the injuries obviously were piling up, and even before that, frankly. I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't feel Montreal put their best foot forward in terms of the rosters they put on the ice every night. I think there were some very questionable coaching decisions. And I just think that they just didn't have they're like Tampa is so good. And I mean, they are also over the cap, of course. Like it's not to be acknowledged. I'm not one of those people that's like, it doesn't count. There's an asterisk. No, I think it counts. They everyone had the same rules. Tampa did the best job of uh, taking advantage of the rules. Fair enough. But it is to be acknowledged that to add an extra $18 million in hockey player is a huge advantage. Unless it's Rick DiPietro, unless they're taking on the DiPietro contract. Yeah, I guess I should have been more specific. Yeah, I'm not like, hey, if you could add yourself with, uh, you know, you could add David Clarkson, Nathan Horton, Stefan Robida. Here's here's the thing on that, and, and the NHL obviously either had no interest in closing that loophole or the one thing that I took away and I didn't remember it was pointed out to me was in 2015, Pat Kane did not play the regular season. He came back for the playoffs. Chicago wins a cup. Yep. Some people were crying foul at it back then. Tampa lost in the finals to them. So can you imagine? And they cried foul. Yeah. But can you imagine if you're Tampa, and the NHL closes the loophole this year. They're just like, down goes the gavel. No go. Not happening. You get kind of burned by the same loophole twice, like the loophole being open, Costio Stanley Cup, and closing the loophole. You, you got to think that Tampa would have been a little bit differently in some of those earlier rounds. You don't know if the Islanders get them. You don't know if even Florida puts up a bigger fight if they don't have Kucherov coming back, if he's ineligible to play. But I... I in the CBA, the salary cap doesn't count. I'm not a doctor. Uh, I don't know if Kucherov was ready to go before or not, but I do want to get to Montreal's doctors because you mentioned injuries a second ago. Uh, Matt, did you find out what happened to Jeff Petrie's eyes that we adored last season? Yes, and I, and I was a fan of Jeff Petrie. I have been a fan before. I remember when Montreal traded for him, I was devastated because I really thought he was a good solution, like a good right. De- he was like the first analytics darling, or not the first, but he was like very early in the game. People were like, you need to get this Petrie guy. He's insane, and Edmonton is not using him right, which, by the way, Edmonton's still making strange <laughs> decisions with their blue line, which we will get to after we recap the final, but... Yeah, I, I just have so much respect for him. So they they said that his eyes were red because he had they had to force his finger back into place. He passed out and popped a bunch of blood vessels in his eyes. Like that is hard as nails. Yeah, I I, I had two questions on that. I was like, okay, it was his pinky. 
So what kind of doctors do they have working on these guys in Montreal if they're that hard with a pinky that you got Jeff Petrie passing out and blowing blood vessels? <laughs> <laughs> think it was like, do you think it was like the, okay, Jeff, and uh, we're going to do it on three, one, two, crank, like in it goes. So that's a good question. And genuinely, like, if you're the doctor that had, if like Bergevin calls you into his office and you're like, so how is Jeffrey's finger? And he's like, well, his finger is better than before. There is some other news. And that is that now his eyes are so red, it looks like he smoked 40 draws at once, like Homer Simpson smoking cigarettes on that file photo. It was wild. Gallagher had an injured groin. I struggled so hard to say groin. 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 I was waiting for you to finish the word groin. That last shift that he took. I think I blacked out. Are my eyes red now? I think I sprained my eyes trying to say groin. That last with sprained eyes. I'm going to rewrite the guess who's these eyes to sprained eyes about Jeff Petrie's playoff. Gallagher's last shift, eh? Did you did, like? Did you? I've never seen a oh, hockey yeah. player in that much pain since Roman Polak uh, when he broke his leg in like three places, just yeah, on the ice. Two guys who do not like to uh, show that they're in pain, and uh, yeah. it's like you know, there's some guys that they go down, and honestly, John Tavares is like this. That is like, oh, if they're down, they are hurt. And it was it was tough to watch because it was just like he was playing. He was not himself. Uh, mm. I think there was probably games he felt better than others. But by the end of it, he was a shell of himself, which was kind of sad to see. He was beat to shit. His face was wrecked. I, you know, it's funny with Montreal going on this long run. Something happened that I was a little bit surprised by. I don't know if it's just because I'm. I'm older or something, or I'm a little softer. But like when the Montreal went on that last run. Uh, and they went to the, the conference finals a few years back. There were so many players on that team I just started to hate. I was like, I hate so many of these guys. And I did find myself having a lot more respect for a lot of the Montreal players, Gallagher Gallagher included. And Nick Suzuki, I also think, really established himself as a smash top six center. The nickname he's been given uh, by a couple of people is Mini Bergeron. And I could kind of see it, which is also a very adorable nickname, Mini Bergeron. Yeah. Also, how Can small are you? How giant is your general manager if you're the general, if you're the mini version of your boss? No, no, Bergeron, not Bergevin. Patrice Bergeron, Mini Bergeron. Oh, I'm going to fucking leave, man. I'm going they, outside. They spell and pronounce their last names differently. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he's related to that. I think my life just flashed before my eyes. I think my eyes are, uh, they're, I think it's my sprained eyes, my sprained ears also. We gotta get get an eye check here again. Give me, give me your eyes. Give me your eyes. We're good. We're good. We're good. Uh, but now that we're on to, now that we're on to Mark (laughs) Bergevin, sure. I like back to the Kucherov thing. I can't get enough of GMs showing. A static emotion. Like, oh, I, I love I just, it. Yeah, I want, <clears throat> I want that because after the trade deadline, your work's done. You can't do anything else. You're sitting down and watching what might as well be a simulation. Like he's just kind of sitting there, being like, 
Hope they do it. Really hope they do it. And if you're so true, that's such a good point. Like your job is done. Yeah. It's like Bergevin too. Like, it's like if you you write an exam and you're like, well, I wrote it down. There's nothing else I can put on that paper now. Except in a way, your job is not kind of done because we talked in the first round when they made that weird uh, call that it looked like Bergevin was like, we got to see if this is a goal. So Bergevin, I don't know how much he was influencing Ducharme's lineup decisions, which we talked about and I asked you about, but then I, I think I tacked something onto it, so we never actually got to it. So my take on this is just that Montreal left guys like the, scratching Kakanyemi. I don't like scratching your young franchise guy like that, especially because he played pretty good. It wasn't like he was like notably shit. It wasn't like that as a shock, but it was like, oh, this is this is bad. And it's just like a team prioritizing identity over, you know, ability. Thomas Tatar not playing in the playoffs is stupid. I There's no way it's not. You got a team as dynamic as Tampa Bay. You're going to need to beat them on the counter and you're going to need guys that can finish. And they just didn't. They just let that guy sit there. It's 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 so confusing to me. The, oh, the one thing on that is like, especially the Kotkaniemi thing. So they, 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 they took him out because he had a, an off game here or there. And not an off game in the sense that like he took the game off, but an off game in like that he, he didn't really get much going and he was stripped a couple of times of the puck. But I noticed that like Josh Anderson, especially like in, in the late uh, later stages of the playoffs, like he'd only show up one in every three games. When he showed up, he showed up big way. Like he showed up with some goals. But there were yeah. nights, man, where he, I was just like, where is this guy? He had a great nickname, the power horse. Where's the two? And he's, uh, and, and I just wonder, like with Montreal, with, with guys that they've attracted via free agency, is it a little more difficult to scratch them than guys you've had for a while? Or in the case of Tatar, I think that's probably the messiest divorce we might see yeah. going into this. Like that, that cost him some some money, like well, no doubt about it. I, I don't think he played a single game, did he not? No, he did not. And he is a uh, a, perennial, a perennial 40 to 60 point guy. And I think that, you know, with a with a D as good as Tampa Bay, you needed to have you needed to put your best weapons in. You don't you know, you're you're down in the series. I don't know. You know, you got Jake Evans and Lekkanen. And I mean, I people are going to think we're insane for even saying this about Josh Anderson. But like Josh Anderson, like I he is a good he's a very physical player. He hits a lot. And I thought he performed how he always has he's an he is a such a perplexing player because he does things that really pop to your eyes like the way that he drives the net sometimes you're like holy shit and he made a beautiful play he had a great game too he made that nice play where he took the puck out of the air and and got set up he made that ot that ot goal um so, you know, it's like he's had his big moments, but he is not a consistent player. And you start to think, you notice stuff like how this guy this guy dumps the puck so often when the most noticeable thing is like, oh, he's fast and he's so big and strong. You don't realize you're like, oh, he does not try to do that very much. He dumps the puck like more than most guys. He can't pass. The hockey IQ is not there. And uh I, I I mean like I don't think he had a bad series. I don't, but like it's it's he he's a very he's just a very interesting case in the sense that the eye test I don't think aligns with he the things he does well pop so big that you don't realize how inconsistency he's doing it inconsistent. Yeah, that's it's it's the myth of I guess clutch like the myth of like the clutch player or whatever. Um, I I, I don't want to like 
dunk on the guy too much, but there's a word for it that like eye test guys will always use and it's uh, enigma. He's an enigma of a player. And it's like, I don't know, man. It just kind of looks like he floats a lot. Like it looks like he kind of takes, I don't know, maybe he was hurt or something like that, but definitely this regular season too. It's like, Jesus, he's he's taking tonight off. Well, Josh Anderson averages about 0.35 points a game. So he's like a he's like he produces like a third liner. And it's fine. Yeah. That's okay to have. I mean, I would argue his contract is going to look worse and worse every year. But uh I don't know. You know, I don't want to shit on him too much. Like he, you know, they got there. I'm I think Montreal uh, had a good series. In terms of Gallagher, his he I I saw it. Like he cried in the press conference and I always thought that I would like that. <laughs> But I didn't. I felt bad. He actually said, "Yeah, same." So he starts. They ask. They ask him the question. He says. Uh, he starts like. They ask. They ask him a question. How are you feeling? What does this group mean to you? Something like that. Just like a tee up question that Nikita Kucherov would turn into a Randy Savage promo. That's a wrestling reference for me on this one. So. <laughs> um. He just tears up and then he goes. Uh, he goes. Sorry. He he. They ask him a question. Gallagher tears up. The reporter tries to ask him a different question because he doesn't think Gallagher can answer it. And Gallagher says, sorry, I'll try. And I think that really sums up Gallagher's heart. And he just goes, he goes and he answers the question and he describes the group. And I was like, that is Brendan Gallagher right there. Even if he can't do it, like in this playoffs when his groin was like ripped to shreds by apparently, and he just couldn't perform like he normally would. He's still, he's, he's so emotional about it. And he says, sorry, I'll try. And then does exactly that. You got to give him credit. Uh, and actually, no, you don't, you can fucking tell him whatever you want. <laughs> I, I, I think like, when we uh when everyone cooled down from like the Leafs thing I think one of my takes was like okay it's nice for Brendan Gallagher to have that game seven moment against Toronto because you know it's been 40 odd years since at that point like 30 something years since the Leafs and Habs have played together it might be another 30 odd years and just you know obviously you never like to see your team lose but I I feel that like Brendan Gallagher is going to be one of those players that Habs fans should look back on like Leafs fans look at Gilmore. Like he's just yeah. the Great epitome comparison. of, yeah, just the epitome of, of, of heart. And it's, it's like, it, it's nice for him. And especially playing as hurt as he was like, man, I wouldn't be able to walk up the fucking stairs with bad groin. Like I'd be like, I'm taking the elevator, let alone going on skates, like having people push me around and shit. Yeah, dude. I can't even say groin. <laughs> so I don't know what to say about that but uh you know it's kind of I had a weird thought I I hadn't thought about uh I haven't thought about Jonathan Druin who is off for mental health reasons and uh it's kind of a shame because the Sergachev Druin trade was a big hockey trade that was really fun and I think Sergachev had a great series and I think Montreal could have used someone with Druin's skill set a little bit at times just in terms of being able to break the game down and uh I'm interested to see where he's going. And, you know, I think sometimes the worst thing an organization can have is a bit of success. Stay with me. Um, Just in terms of are you going to make mistakes in the offseason? Now, Montreal, I think where they're going to – Tatar is going to be let go. And I do think that they're going to double down on this idea. And John Collins said something on an earlier episode, and I I keep thinking about it, where he says – he said – good process bad result 
And in terms of how Montreal built this team and how they prioritize who they put in the lineup, I think it's bad process, good results. And a lot of the stats guys say that it takes about 20 games for any randomness to kind of walk itself out of it. And that's exactly where Montreal kind of landed. They were playing the best team in the league, probably. And it looked they look like the 18th best team in the league. Like the process, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't even know where to start. Honestly, like Montreal's <clears throat> this season, like at the deadline, they kind of looked like a team that were, yeah, we're going to go for it in the most confusing way possible. <laughs> and my friends who were Habs fans were tearing their hair out. Like you wave Vic Mete to make room for John Merrill and Eric Gustafson. Oh, they like, could have used Vic Mete. And I thought well, Gustafson like, was actually pretty good when he played for what it's worth. Well, the, but also scratching Romanov, I w- I think in that same thing is like, oh, and then he goes in and he scores a goal right away. So it's like you guys are tripping over your own dicks to get into the Stanley Cup final. Trading Sergachev was justified by Habs management because they had Vic Mete. Like that's the oh, like if I Lord. yeah like if I go to like the the detective board with all the red thread going around everywhere, that's where you get back to that trade, and they waved him. Like, oh, yeah. I would be – I saw a tweet, and I wish I knew who If it was. only Ottawa would have would hire someone who you could trick into reacquiring. Hmm. Uh, I saw a tweet. I don't know who it was. It was like, this offseason is going to be chaos because you're going to have – it's a copycat league. Yep. So you're going to have a pile of teams just hoarding LTIR contracts like the Tampa Bay Lightning did with, like, Marion Gabrick and – I want to sign Roman Polak and trade him for two first round picks. And then you're going to have, you're going to have teams just being like, fuck it. We're going slow and big and like just an army of men on the back end. Just like we're carrying seven extra D men when the playoffs come. Like, uh, and it's going to be like a, a clash of those two Titans. And I think it's going to be like playing Monopoly when you're drunk this off season. That I have never done. I uh, oh. couldn't trust myself to make a little tap, a top hat, tap around a board for uh, twenty minutes if I was drunk. I couldn't oh. handle it. People get people get carried away with those five hundred dollar bills. It's a dark game. It's a very dark game. I will have to say. <laughs> um, who else? I mean, this is another thing that came to be in the playoffs. I think that honestly, it feels like the 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 temperature on the officiating from the fans' perspective is coming to a boiling point. Now, there's always a risk with that because Twitter will really break your brain. Like sometimes I'll be in public and I'll just say something like Jeff Bezos drinks blood. And then someone who's not on Twitter is like, what? But if you say that on Twitter, people are like, yes, I know that. (laughs) But so like Twitter can warp your brain to to make it seem like everyone is... uh, Everyone is mad about the officiating, but I think it has kind of carried over to the mainstream a bit. The uh, the, the one way that I kind of know that it has left Twitter and, and made it to like even the uh, good hockey men trademark registered are talking about it is when Ron McLean brings it up. Yeah. Because I think it's illegal for Ron McLean to be on Twitter at this point. Like, I don't think they let Ron on. I think it's just like, no, no, this, this, you, you can't see what's going on in the hockey world on here. It'll break you. Like you're too, you've made it this far. So when Ron McLean yeah. brought it up, I was like, Oh shit, this is. And of course, like the answer was 
who boy, the answer is like, we have the greatest officials in all sport. They haven't once been caught fixing a match for money. Yeah. It's like, oh, he's got us there. He's got us. He's and got also, us like, there. player, and for what it's worth, I don't completely blame the referees themselves because obviously the mandate from the league is to do what they're doing. Uh, yes. And I think that, but that said, they're also not. Like I, I would love to see a, a bigger emphasis put on protecting the players. What is I, I like honestly like, I thought he had a great playoffs. I really did, uh, and I almost felt bad for him in the end, but I didn't. But Shea Weber had was a had a really strong playoffs, and towards the last in in the last game, I counted three head hits on Braden Point, and it's like yeah. if you're a Montreal fan, you're mad about Kucherov's comments. It's like you had a guy who was like literally trying to injure a man. Yeah. Like and listen, I'm not saying that Shea Weber is a like a bad person or anything. I think in the same way that like he's he knows he could skirt the system and that no one can mess with him, so he does. But I just as one fan personally, I would be happier to watch a league that uh, it wasn't an option that if a skill player was it was hard to contain that you could break his ribs with a cross check like Kucherov. Like I'm sorry, like I would just I would prefer to watch that game. There are some players uh, that get grandfathered into what I call the Chris the Chris Pronger playbook. So you're a legacy player that is kind of slowed down quite a bit, but you know you've got such this reverence and, and and respect from everybody in the league and the officials and all that that oh well the only way he can really do his job is by trying to hurt the players that are better yeah. than him. And Shea Weber has been grandfathered into the Chris Pronger uh, rule book. And Chara. The Chris Pronger rule book is, is, and Chara. Chara's another one has been grandfathered in. Like, what if Chara's most famous moves, like his most famous move tactic is like, I'm going to take your stick and slash it so hard it goes on like the 15th row. I know, but that looks <laughs> funny. <laughs> Sorry. It does look funny, but it's like. It makes me laugh every time just to watch a guy just watch his fucking stick go over the moon. It's like. How is that not a penalty? Like if you slash and break the stick, it's I a agree penalty. It should be a you... penalty, but I I would rather yeah. see a man launch a stick into space and fucking bounce off Richard Branson on the way up there than have to see like it's... a guy get his ribs broken. Like I mean, I know that some fans are gonna be like, no, hockey is a war, Carter, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I just don't feel like that anymore. I don't feel like that oh, anymore man. at all. I like the physicality, but I don't want. I want some form of like, well, you can't be hitting guys with your stick to make it easier to defend. I, it would be, and it would lead to more goals and less boring trapped up hockey. Oh, that's, that's something that I wanted to get to is the more goals thing. So the famous photo of like Price meeting uh, Veseleski in Handshake Alley. Have you seen that? Oh, right. Where, yeah, the, where, uh, oh, can I say yeah. one more thing on that? Absolutely, absolutely. On my, on my point on the cross checks, I think Eric Chernak was just as uh, I would I would say the exact same thing about uh, like towards the end of the game he was killing the game. He was just throwing cross checks left and right because he knew it wouldn't get called and that that it would be an effective tactic. So it was on both sides. I'm not saying that only Shea Weber did that. I just think that I would like to see cross checking as a defensive tactic uh, taken out of hockey. Personally, sorry. Uh, yeah, ahead. and yep, no, no worries. Um, yeah, but so you brought up uh, goals going up, and my God, we got to do something with the goalie equipment. We we just we we got to do something. Like if you look at the images, and I'm not going to go on a big rant here because, but if you look at the images of uh, Vasilevsky drunk today, putting the Conn Smythe on his head, which again is hilarious, and I so love, funny. 
I know. And then the images of him in goalie gear. And I know he's like front profile and is at a different angle than price. But the man's wearing equipment that would like be made for a person my size. And then you look at him like partying her up on a boat. And it's like, whoa, this dude's a rake. This dude's like pure for a hockey player. And it's like, oh my God. It's, it's it like looks, that picture looks real bad. I, I, I will did. say though that there's two things. One, I've never noticed that before this. So you know what I mean? I've never once heard anyone say that Vasilevsky wears big equipment. And there was another goalie who commented and be like, well, Bryce tucks in his chest protector. And that makes a big yeah. difference for what it's worth. So, yeah, somebody did mention that. But, I mean, listen, in terms of, like, do we want the goalie equipment to be smaller? Yeah, buddy, I'd love that. I'd love to see goalies yeah, have to be more time. athletic and uh, more goals. I think it'd be wonderful. And and before I get off this topic, the worst goalie equipment i have ever seen in terms of size look up jiggy js jaguar with his time with the toronto maple leafs it literally looks like he is wearing a suit and his head is sticking out like franklin the turtle or some shit like it is unbelievable the size of the equipment that's on this man it's just go back and look up some clips of him it's like good lord man like if if a if a golf cart hit you would you feel it at this point <laughs> that's your barometer for equipment i would love to see you know what honestly they don't even fucking use the rule book so you could just put stuff like that in it you could be like must be hurt if hit by go- golf cart if not equipment illegal you could put that in there and it wouldn't make any difference because they don't use the goddamn rule book anyway here's here's old man corner from me um so when uh, curtis joseph was at Jeez, I think it was. I think it went to like uh, the same school Morgan Riley did, which is like one of the Notre Dames or something. The goalie that he was backing up used to like use the sewing machines all the time and alter his pants so that when he was in the butterfly position, like trapdoors of fabric would fall and not give any view of the ice behind his black pants and all of this lunacy stuff like he would just be in there like sewing up a storm and awesome. having all these like fabric traps and i'm just thinking it's like yeah okay gold equipment could probably be worse <laughs> yeah Fab- fabric trap would be a good name for a hammock i Ooh. thought overall that it was a uh it was a it was an okay playoffs i thought it was kind of i thought it was kind of fun uh I do think that like it just comes down to, well, one, Vas- Price was good, Vasilevsky was great. And then yeah. in terms of greatness, Kucherov and Point at times during that series were just like, okay, yeah, this is what you want your stars to be doing. The, the easiest way I'd sum up this playoffs is the best team won. Like Yes, and I love that. <laughs> Yeah, like the best team won. Like, I, I, and everyone's like, oh, he's just bitter. Blah, 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 blah. No, no, like, there's no chance Toronto would have done anything with Tampa. There's no chance Boston. There's no chance Washington. There's no chance Vegas. There's no chance, like, oh, I think there's a the chance Islanders. All, almost all those teams. Really? That they would yeah, have done, like, I don't, I don't Buddy, see. Buddy, Montreal beat Vegas. There's a chance of anything. I get, okay. Well, okay. Like, but at the end of the day, the best team won, and that, makes sense i love it because the takes would have been so insufferable i hope but i mean it it it's it it went as far as it could but at the end in the name of the dixie chicks earl hab to die 
Okay, real quick on the on the lightning here now. I just wanted to say two things very quickly. One, uh, very nice to see Steven Stamkos be a part of a true cup run and be a contributing guy. Injuries have taken a toll there, but he has had uh, an amazing career, and I'm happy to see him rewarded with some team success. Uh, and actually just like because last he, I mean, it was so cool last year. He played one shift scored and then he was like, I cannot. And it was like, sir, it looks like you can. But uh, <laughs> anyway, it was really good. But this is a tweet from Scott Wheeler about Nikita Kucherov, who I'm starting to think is like certainly not in the the, you know, the the Gretzky Lemieux conversation, I would not say. But I mean, in terms of like Datsuk might start to be a good comparable, just in terms of what this guy's been able to accomplish the last couple of years. His last two playoffs, 66 points, 48 games. He led both of which in scoring. He led, I think, by 10 points this year. Anyone else in the playoffs on his own team, including Point, who was on his line. So the only guy who has ever produced either of these runs that is Gretzky, Lemieux, Coffee, Evgeny Malkin, Bossy and our dear friend Doug Gilmore, and the only guys who have done it twice were uh, Gretzky and Lemieux. And the end of this tweet is statue outside the arena kind of stuff. I think that's very well said. Oh yeah, uh, are those guys any good? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'll have to look up some dumb numbers to see. Let me check what Mike Bossy's expected goals are. Um, all right, we actually have. We this is fun. We have breaking news on the podcast. The Leafs have literally, as we speak, have hired a new assistant coach, Shinouth, Dean Shinouth. I hope I'm getting that right. And he is Carolina's PP guy. Now, this is completely off the top of my head, but one, thank God there's someone coming to help the power play. Two, you know who's on Carolina's power play and has experienced great success under this very coach is Douglas, the Museum King Hamilton. Makes you think. I was going to say Lucas Walmart, Warren Fogle. Oh, I'll take either of those guys as well. (laughs) I I I was thinking of those guys because they have a way of turning complimentary players into guys that are going to get paid in Mm -hmm. uh, Carolina. Player development, baby. It's a hell of a drug. What a concept. Back to that tweet. Can you imagine living through 48 playoff games in two years? No, it's insane. I, I would I would just I'd die. <laughs> I would have a fucking heart attack and die. <laughs> I'm excited to get back on onto the schedule. I'll say that. All right, let's uh so that's exciting in terms of the Leafs. Uh there's a couple there's a would you want to get into the trade or when are we when are we talking about Pierre Maguire? <laughs> this is crazy. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> what do you want to do? Yeah, we gotta no, we gotta talk about Pierre Maguire. We got to talk about, but, yeah. but are, or are we going to let the Senators be the main event as always? Okay, let's talk about the trade. Okay, so my gracious goodness. Okay, so the long-discussed Duncan Keith trade to Edmonton has happened, and it was for Caleb Jones, and and Edmonton added a third as well. What's your initial thoughts on this utter madness? My initial thoughts need to be paused for a second here. I'm going to read some tweets from uh, famous Oilers uh, writer Jim Matheson. So, uh, July 12th, 2.04 p.m. If Hawks won't retain salary, this is a non-starter, in my opinion. July 12th, 3.12 p.m. So, uh, an hour and eight minutes later. 
Hawks had no leverage in this deal, but still wouldn't retain salary. His cap hit is 5.3 million, but that's his his cap hit is 5.3 million, but salary is 2.1 and 1.6. That's a win. Jones at this time is maybe a third pairing NHL D. McDavid, Leon, Nurse need Keith's leadership. Oh God. I gotta tell you, I would like to see what civilization in the city of Toronto, Ontario, Canada would look like if their sports writers were that big of homers. Just a yeah, glimpse. That's <laughs> out of control. Phil Kessel's living happily, thriving. He's never <laughs> left. <laughs> like it just you know, an hour and eight minutes. He's like non-starter. Actually, no, this is a win. Yeah, this is a win. It's just like, man, buddy, what are we saying here? It's it's just... <sighs> Connor McDavid must be so haunted. He must be sitting in his fully painted black home, just sitting in complete darkness, just wondering what the hell Ken Holland is doing. So, I mean, listen, this you know what this trade smacks of to me? It's kind of interesting because it's a man with an incredible hockey history who is past his prime and is not a beneficial member of his team acquiring a man with a great past who is past his prime and is not going to contribute much to this team. This trade for Edmonton sucks ass in my opinion. That's a, that's a good analysis. It sucks ass. The, the fact that it's like they're trading what I would consider like a, a, an NHL ready defensive prospect. So he's like, in terms of, I wouldn't call him like a top prospect, but let's call him the, their defensive version of like what Pugliarvi was last summer when the whole Pugliarvi trade stuff was going on. So he's the defensive equivalent of, of a Pugliarvi size prospect and a third for a guy that was up until like, 10 days ago was a unmovable contract or last year it was like, maybe they LTIR Duncan Keith and Robot Island. Them. And now it's just like, bring them. I think Ken Holland hates winter. That's my theory on this. I think he fucking hates winter. Uh, and he's just trying to get himself fired before the Edmonton winter comes because your cap situation there, <laughs> you've got like, you've got nearly $10 million now tied up in Duncan Keith and Zach Cassian. Yeah, it's it's obscene. Duncan Keith is 37 years old and he oh makes 5.3 million bucks. And you know what? He was so good. Like you need to put some respect on Duncan Keith's name. He has been an incredible defenseman in his career. He is 10 years past his prime. He yeah. is has been steadily declining in terms of his how he's even being used. Like, he doesn't get fed top minutes in Chicago anymore, and he's still getting caved in. 41% expected goals. You know who has 50% expected goals for? Caleb Jones, who is going to get better every year and makes one million bucks. This is insane. He's like 13 years younger, is he not? Yes. Yeah, like that. Even like that should be the non-starter. It's like they're both defensemen. Oh, great, interesting. One's thirteen years younger than the other guy. It's like, well, I think he's. I do love when players that are like a lot older than me get like they they fetch a package because I'm like, woo, proud of my life, baby. Like I'm still young. <laughs> I'm still worth the prospect in a third. 
It doesn't hurt when I go up a flight of stairs or jump out of my car too fast. I'm going to start telling my single female friends that whenever they have sex, they should say that they caught a package. I think that would be uh, <laughs> that would be great. I'm at my oh, most Lord. professional on this podcast, obviously, because I just <laughs> I just said that this trade sucks ass, and then I I don't I don't know who I am anymore. But I this is just it's confusing to me. It's well, yeah, actually, you know what? No, it is not. Because all year this franchise has been putting defensemen into the wrong situations. Ethan Bear underplayed. Caleb Jones underplayed and now traded for a 37-year-old man who makes 5.3. This is a, yet another example of like this guy has a good name. He has leadership. He has this. Don't if you want leadership, hire an assistant coach. What are you doing? What are you yeah. doing? Yeah. Bring in someone who has seminars twice a season. You know? <laughs> yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Hey, should better, we acquire D- be- Duncan Keith or maybe just have a seminar? <laughs> <laughs> well, one doesn't count against the cap. Jesus, bring in Matt Foley or something. Oh, God. Okay. Speaking of, I mean, do you have anything else on that trade? Uh, one, if you haven't at this point, go do yourself a favor and look up the latest like NHL picture day photo of Duncan Keith. Yes. He looks like a mix between Weird Al Yankovic and the main villain from the Dennis the Menace motion picture in 1993. <laughs> it is thrilling. It is a thrilling image. I will have to say that it's one of my favorite motion pictures, Dennis the Menace is. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It's just the way that the motion of that picture really does it for me. <laughs> the motion <laughs> of that picture. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Uh, Leafs re-sign Wayne Simmons. Two years, 900K. Uh, I would say, again, that is a guy who is, uh, in a similar way, providing leadership and our producer just said the Oilers have acquired Dale Carnegie, who is, I mean, on, I'm Googling Dale Carnegie age. <laughs> Dale Carnegie is 66 years old and also dead. Oops, I didn't finish reading that before I said it. It was in 1955. I don't think you need to be like, Matt, what have you said now? Oh, but oh. he is deceased, which is better than... Not as 37 is better than that. So I guess if you're yes. if the only good thing we can find to say about your trade is at least you didn't acquire a dead public speaker, your trade is not good. Yeah, that's that, that's a low bar. Uh, I read a tweet that it's like the uh, Edmonton Oilers are uh, how to win hockey narrow. games and influence people. I'm sorry, please keep going. No, it's they're uh, interested in Mike Rathji and Yarrow Spacek to add leadership. Oh my God! <laughs> two, two fellas that retired like ten years ago. <laughs> what are we doing? And oh, I mean, it's the man. same thing with, with Montreal. It was like the guy who I wanted them to take it was Eric Stahl. Like you should have taken Eric Stahl out. Eric Stahl was playing like a bag of trash. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, he's yeah, one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah. He's a yeah. he and he had a great year last year, but he fell off the cliff this year. I, okay. uh, I advocated. I advocated for uh, for Eric Stahl on this podcast. I banged that drum. You did, which I don't mind. But you also said he was good defensively, which I was like, sir, no, no, sir, he's not. He's bad. He's bad. <laughs> <laughs> he was good though. He, so he, he, yeah. No, you can get your thing, but we should get to Simmons. So then we get we can chew on this Pierre Maguire 
uh, rubber steak. What a weird, <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, I like the Simmons deal. He's, you know, he's, he's sacrificed a little bit of term for, uh, sorry, a little, a little bit of a cash for term helps the Leafs out a little bit. The money we save, we then repackaged and gave to Travis Dermott, who is on a also inked oh, a yeah. two-year extension at a million and a half. So it's kind of money in, money out. You're uh, balancing the ledger and the books there. I like both deals. I don't know if we see Travis Dermott play again. Uh, I do have a friend who did not like the Dermott deal simply because of that uh, blunder he made in overtime. He was just like... <laughs> He's like, I, I can never let that go. He's like, I can never let it go. He's like, I, I, I hold grudges. He's one of those guys, and I don't want to see him in the Leafs anymore. I understand. I understand. Yeah. It's frustrating. I kind of have that, like, with Galchenyuk and Bogosian from that uh, Habs OT loss where they kind of combined to allow two on L. But nonetheless, here are my takes on, on both these things. And thank you for reminding me of the Dermot thing because I actually forgot, which says a lot about Travis Dermot's tenure yeah, so far. He's he was once always called uh, my large adult son and somebody messaged me the other day and was like, Hey, uh, your, your son signed. And there's this image <laughs> from uh, signed. Yeah. Your son signed, but there's this, there's this episode of it's always sunny where it's like, Hey, do you have kids? He's like, nah, not anymore. And I just sent him that. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. My child died in 1955 <laughs> as a result of overdosing on public speaking. <laughs> All right. So here's my take on the Simmons and the Dermot thing. Simmons, uh, I think that I honestly have the same problem with Simmons. And I said on the with that I kind of have with Duncan Keith. I like the idea of him more than I'd like what value he has offered on the ice in recent years. That said, Simmons is a fair bit younger than Keith and they're paying him league minimum. And honestly, my or not league minimum, but like, you know, under a million dollars. I will take as many guys as you can who make 900,000 because just have options and just roll on through and just let it like, let other guys try and let them fight for their spot. Here's my, my asterisk on this. I don't want him stapled into the lineup. If he's not playing well, they need to have the stones to scratch some of these guys when they're not doing it. Uh, but I love Wayne Simmons. He's a blast. He's a, and he's a, he has been a good player and he's a good power play player as well. So I like that. He was great until he broke his wrist that's the like, thing he, like, people but also but the question uh, there becomes is that does that mean that once his wrist heals he'll be better or is his wrist fucked and well he just doesn't started, have the hands he used to and i have the same concern and question about Ilya mikhaev uh one one thing that uh one of like i've asked some sports medicine people uh actually was the Ilya Mikheyev thing is when it brought up because he cut some tendons. And I was like, hey, is this guy, you know, ever going to be okay again? This was back when he was injured, like December before last, December 2018. Uh, and it was like, yeah, with athletes, you know, tendons and stuff take a lot of rehab. But the second they add like plates and screws to your hands, you're fucked. You're just done. The second they start adding hardware to oh, a hockey player's hand. So when, when, Keith, uh, when, when Simmons broke his wrist, I was like, they screwing that fucker back together? Like they screwing, they putting plates and stuff in there? Because I, I did. That was the first thing I thought about. I have no idea. I don't think they would release that stuff. I don't. I don't think they'd give that to Twitter nerds like me. Like, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like sure. records of a player as a free agent. It's like uh, Wayne. How many screws you got in your hand, buddy? Six. Six screws. Okay, good. And then yeah. like people who are signing contracts are like, 
Six Phillips heads. <laughs> uh, and as for Dermot, here's my thoughts on Travis Dermot. Mm-hmm. Assuming I'm going to assume that he does stay on the team, is not plucked in expansion in expansion, which we will get into next week. But if he does stay, or if he does not, whatever team he lands on, I want to see this guy get an opportunity in the top four for an exp- extended period of time, because he has done well. I know that. Okay, so your your friend, uh, of course, and it's okay to be mad at a guy because he made a mistake that pissed you off. But the reality is. Every defenseman makes mistakes, and honestly, a lot of that stuff is symptomatic of being a defenseman who is capable of moving the puck. You're going to make a mistake a certain percentage of the time. It's inevitable. It's part of hockey. I know that people get so mad at it, but that doesn't mean that he's not valuable as a player. He has done well every year, but always in limited minutes. So I want to see him unleashed a little bit, especially knowing what I know now, but how the regular season, if we're just going to be like the regular season is meaningless. Okay. Well then why aren't we trying like let Jake Muzzin just chill and rest his bones when and Dermot on the wing and no, not on the wing, Charles, you <laughs> madman. <laughs> no, just let him big... play 18, 19 minutes and see how he does. Let him try. Let let young guys try to match up against guys because that way you're preparing for injuries in the playoffs. You know, like this year he played less three minutes less than his career average. So I don't know. And I will say that Justin Hall is a solid player, but he's 30. He makes two million for two years. Dermot is 25, uh, and has they've posted pretty similar results. Hall's been given a better opportunity, and he's done a nice job. I'm not shit talking Justin Hall, but I don't think unless we see a trade that involves like Riley, which I'm not sure if we will, or Mazen or Bro. Basically, my point is Lilgren and and sorry Sandine and Dermot, and if Bogosian comes back, which I would welcome. It just it, there's a lot of chairs that I think that you're going to have to move at one guy, and I wonder if it makes sense to explore moving Justin Hall. I I think yeah I, I think it, it's there. I think the Justin Hall thing is we're going to touch on it more next week, so I can save it for that. But I think they're going to right. wait to see who Seattle takes, and then yes. they go from there. Good uh, point. Unfortunately, we're seven years away from Justin Hall being trade bait to the Edmonton Oilers, but uh, <laughs> sometimes that's the breaks. <laughs> oh man. But you know what? You look at Ken Hall and you're like, oh my God, is that the most harmful executive in the Canadian division? And then the Ottawa Senators hire Pierre Maguire. That man who blew the call of the great, maybe one of the greatest Canadian goals of all time. He says, can you believe it? And Pierre Maguire interjects and says, I can which is like, just let some silence sit for a minute, Pierre. And now he is in a very prominent role making decisions for the Ottawa Senators. And the question becomes, how fucking sick are you guys? Uh, are you so because... sick that you're sticking around for the Pierre Maguire era? Uh, my favorite take on that was I saw one of my uh, one of my sons follows, and I don't remember the ad. It might have been Bonks Mullen. <laughs> I was just like, "You can't hurt me, so don't even try." <laughs> it was his only comment. <laughs> like, you know, you can't hurt me, so don't even try. He is uh, Pierre Maguire has a history of getting hired directly from ownership rather than uh, front office people. So, he was, why is that? Do you have a theory? 
Uh, in Brian Burke's book, he breaks it down. So Brian Burke's book is uh, pretty much talks about how he was an ass kiss to Richard Gordon, the then uh, the then owner of the Hartford Wheelers, who was a very strange owner. Like when he was doing job interviews for people, he would bring in a season ticket holder and it'd be like him interviewing a guy. And then there's just a season ticket holder sitting there. And it's like, well, does that work for you, Bill? And it's like, yeah, it's just fucking absolute insanity. Uh, but like Pierre Maguire would always find a way to like end up in his office late at night eating like Chinese food or like would just pretty much live in the building trying to get the owner's ear. And uh, a similar book written by... Uh, his last name's Baldwin, but he's not related to the actors. Uh, Howard um, owned part of the Pittsburgh Penguins where Pierre Maguire got a Stanley Cup ring. And he gives like a glowing review of the guy. So I'm kind of thinking it's like, mm, he's probably doing the same thing. He's probably just, he's probably just really coy with ownership groups and then gets himself a job. And then we're entertained because buddy, this is going to be something. I love this. I Head love of it. Development. Head I of development. Head of development. He's the head of development. Pierre Maguire is in charge. He's just going to be going around reminding players which junior team they played for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. God help you if he doesn't like the junior team. He's like, no, I don't like that place. He's not, no. And it's like, Owen Power, where'd he come from? Nope, don't like it. Not getting him. Don't care. Oh, Go home, kid. Go home. <laughs> Can you imagine being Pierre Dorian? Listen, no one's uh, so, job is easy, but imagine your 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 leadership group features both Pierre Maguire and Eugene Melnick. That's your brain trust. So that uh, poor Mike, man, and he has done a overall a decent job, I would think. Dorian, uh, I and, take no pleasure in reporting this to Ottawa Senators fans, but Pierre Dorian is entering the last year of his contract. And they just hired Pierre Maguire. Let's so go. This could be Pierre Maguire's GM job as early as next season. I love it. Yeah. First step. All right. Here's my prediction. First thing he does moves the arena further out of town because players will have to be gritty because they have to be on the bus longer. And that will be a cause for more grit. And also, like, he's already fielding questions about how he's constantly shitting on analytics. Constantly. And it's like, dude, at this point, you're just bragging about making, not looking at information. What is, like, what, in what, only in hockey could you be like, I don't like the, I won't read the things that you looked at. He keeps saying about, like, oh, I like, I don't, I, I prefer scouts and hockey hardcores. You know who's fucking hardcore about hockey? People who are tracking games and going in and making little tables about who's effective with the zone entries and puck retrievals. That's hardcore. Not some guy over there chewing tobacco in a rink looking at a bunch of teenagers <laughs> play each other and say that he likes them because his dad has a big head or something. Come on. <laughs> Use the information you're given, you goddamn fools. It's, it's. I always love the guys. Who's like, I don't believe in it. It's like, do you ever check your bank account before making a large purchase? Perhaps. Like, yeah. it's just numbers, man. It's just fucking numbers. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it, 
there's no like there, everyone like makes the oh calculator boys and all this stuff. It's like man, there's no supercomputer here. They're just tracking where the puck is with relation to who's on the ice. Uh, they're they're going to move the rink. They're also going to remove every bit of towels from the uh, the rink, and they're going to replace it with a fine grit sandpaper. <laughs> that's, that's initial number two: paper towels, toilet paper, all of it. Fine grit. And fine you know, if he's in there now, he's getting fucking fines for covid close talking because that man cannot socially distance he has not had a conversation that has not been while not stepping on the other person's foot it amazes me how these people continue to get jobs in the nhl this league sucks like earlier (laughs) today yeah earlier today i heard like craig button's take on what teams should do in the summer and i'm like this was the gm of the calgary flames who sent Marty St. Louis home and said, like, you're never going to play a game in the NHL. And 1,300 yep. games later uh, in a Stanley Cup, and it's like, why am I listening to Craig Button on the radio? Why is he even here? Here's the is thing, he... though. Pierre Mag- well, first of all, yeah, why are you listening? <laughs> Sorry, it's probably uh, nice Somebody fan. sent it to me, know. actually. Yeah, no, somebody sent it to me. I, I and, and, like, and the second they said, like, it was an offer sheet talk and, like, certain, and I was like, mm-hmm. Junk food hockey is what I call it. I was like, don't listen yeah. to Craig. Well, yeah, yeah, and that's a, that's a very fair way to say that. I would agree with that. Listen to but me. Like, he he <laughs> honestly he fits in. This is the same league that honestly fucked up an expansion draft so bad they accidentally built a Stanley Cup contender. People have entirely too much faith in the teams, the people running the teams in this league. I am so scared that the Leafs will hire, like, will fire Dubas at some point, and then they'll be like, bring Dave Boland, it was meant to be, or something like yeah. that. Like, if you have a smart general manager, you are, it is such an advantage because with there's between Montreal making the final on a throwback roster, there's an expansion draft. All the money's weird because of COVID. It's a short enough season. All these stars seem to want trades. Eichel, you know what I mean? We are prime for chaos. Oh, in yeah. the next couple of weeks. I'm stoked. I'm so excited. I'm so happy all these pesky hockey games are over so we can get into some free agent madness. Let's what go. Matters. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think the Leafs do Leaf moves. I, I, I don't foresee them trading one of the core pieces, but I do think there's some smoke with Dougie Hamilton. If that means moving out Morgan Riley, I don't... Uh, I think it's a net positive move at this point in terms of asset management, but we'll see. If you're trading Riley and you're getting value for him and then you're getting Dougie Hamilton for only cap space and you find a way to make that work, to me that sounds very interesting. But uh, we'll go we'll go in I say next week we'll get into all of that uh, all of that yeah. madness. I think do you have any final thoughts on the the Sens hiring what? Pierre Maguire? I can't, man, when I yes. say that out loud, I can't believe the, I can't believe it actually happened. It seems like it's something that just comes up every time there's a job. And I can't believe it was the Senators. He, uh, oh, I can believe it's the Senators. I can definitely believe the Senators. He, <laughs> he, uh, he had said, like his, his media availability, his, he had said that he had fielded many offers when he was with NBC, which I don't know if I believe. Uh, but I do fully believe that this is a predecessor of him being the next GM. 
I don't think they're going to keep Pierre Dorian around, whether Dorian doesn't want to stick around, because I can't imagine it's very easy being the GM with a hands-on owner like Eugene Melanick. And if there's anything I know about Pierre Maguire, he'll do what owners tell him. I feel so bad for the Sands fans. All right, let's. right, we're almost out of time here. So let's uh, let's close it off with looking back on the Canadians' run. What are your big takeaways? Who do you think was you know what are what are your let's just do a little rapid fire on the canadians so Mm -hmm. who do you think their mvp was besides price obviously uh skater besides price uh phil deneau if if i had a con smith if i had a con smith vote uh, and they somehow won it after price had a couple of bad games in the finals Mm -hmm. phil deneau would have been like the one goal con smith guy to me i would have just been like yeah he's he's number he's my number one my answer is nick suzuki Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's it? <laughs> Don't think Suzuki was good? <laughs> I, I just, honestly, he didn't really blow my socks off or anything, but I, and no forward did for the Habs. That's the weird fucking yeah. thing about this run. Like, I think that we, we talked about at the beginning of this podcast that the tricky thing in, in Montreal is the young guys – Peaking while the old guys are declining. Uh, And I can't help but think that that's the best chance they're going to get. They could get like a... I don't think they'll make the playoffs next year. No. Well, it's too early. Like the division changing, it's too early to like be like, oh, this team or that team is not going to make the playoffs. Because right now, every like 16, every team has a 16 and 32 chance to make the playoffs. Um Oh my God, with Charles, I'm so proud of you right now. <laughs> my boy's growing up right in front of me. Oh my God. Look at him, he's using oh fractions. Oh boy. Yeah. The, with, with, with the, I didn't break that down though. There's definitely an easier way to, anyway. With the Habs, um, I wonder what's going to become of, of, and we didn't get to this earlier. My main takeaway from the final is what are they going to do about Kotkaniemi? Like what? You know, what are they? What are they going to do? Um, I our think producer just pointed out at sixteen is half of thirty-two, and I didn't realize that. <laughs> you know what, buddy? A for effort. A for effort. You were uh, you were not right, but uh, I very much appreciated the sentiment of your math, <laughs> which is also kind of the plot of Goodwill oh. Hunting, if you've ever seen it, which is yet another amazing picture that moves. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Kakanyemi, that's a great question. Great question. So, because I've come to love this, uh, I don't think he's, uh, I think he makes some very poor decisions, but if with uh, Mark, Mark Bergeron, as I called him earlier, Mark Bergeron is fully in mad scientist mode, which I hope he is because it's good for the league when he's there's got the hair. wild shit. I think Kakanyemi's traded for a big fish. I think there's a lot of names out there, and I think he's going to go out and get one. And I think Kak and Yemi's going the other I, way. Yeah, I honestly thought when when I saw like okay, he's he's out of the lineup. When I saw that, well, I don't think any player asks Bergevin for a trade because he's physically threatening looking, and with the <laughs> hair, he does look like a mad scientist right yeah, now. Yeah, they can ask him for a protein um, shake. But I do think like it wouldn't surprise me if we saw both his and Thomas Tatar's last game. If they do trade Cockney Emmy, it is going to be for like a big fish. It's going to be a pretty, uh, it's going to be one of those trades that 
you hear about for a couple of weeks. I think next week's going to be fun. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, to our Habs fans, listeners, um, man, I hope you guys aren't too sad. You had a great run. Goddamn. Your team, uh, honestly, fucking left it all out there, and I think you should be very proud of them. And I would have said that if you got swept. But don't have a parade. Don't have, no, don't, don't no, have a parade like no, that one guy suggested. Don't, don't, do don't do that. Oh, no, that was, a, that was an interesting idea. Oh, I cooked my dinner on that take, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>